0: Welcome to Activate with Pastor Christian Newsom, a podcast of Journey Church International.
1: Well, hey there. Uh, thank you for tuning in today to the Activate podcast with Pastor Christian Newsom, the ministry resource of Journey Church International. My name's Ryan. It's great to be on the podcast today. Uh, we're finishing our series called Made for This. Uh, our theme verse throughout this entire deal has been Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. This week, the message was titled "Make a Difference." Pastor Christian, as we jump into the message, let's see, as we always do, let's try to help activate some faith of people who are listening. Um, you know, help the audience as we as we kind of transition, and help the audience understand what has just occurred in the first chapter of the Gospel of John with his disciples. Uh, what just happened as you kind
0: of lead into talking about the message so one great historical narrative right in john chapter two uh jesus and his disciples at a wedding in cana um which is which is at the base of it of of a of a hill that nazareth is on we could call it a mountain it's probably more of a hill i remember uh, one of my first trips to israel coming down the hill from nazareth so when you um, when you leave Nazareth, when, when you leave the modern-day city of Nazareth, which is the second-largest Arab city um, in, in Israel today, when you leave the city of Nazareth and you're driving towards Galilee, which would have, would have been the pathway—driving uh, towards Capernaum, which, which would have been the pathway Jesus and his disciples walked back and forth from home to home base of ministry to home to home base of ministry. You drive literally through it's like an S-curve down this mountain. Traffic is always terrible. Rush hour traffic in and out of Nazareth, believe it or not, is awful. Yeah, I remember um,
1: driving in Nazareth.
0: Yeah. It's scary. It, Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I may have picked up a ticket or two and <laughs> backed into a car or two oh. in the van I was driving um, in Nazareth and lived to tell about it. But as you're driving down this, you know, this, just this little section of road... You go through this little S-curve that can't be more than a quarter mile long that is the ancient city of Cana. And the only reason you know that is because there's a little roadside stand where you can buy wedding wine from Cana. So you go to John chapter 2, and for those of us who have been to Israel, you're, you're transported to a very real place, to a very real time. You're transported to a place that you've been to, and Jesus and his disciples are at this wedding. The first thing his disciples are going to be asked to do at this wedding is whatever Jesus tells you to do. And you say, "Man, how do you get to that point? How do you how do you get to the point where you will do whatever Jesus tells you to do?" And the only answer is that it, you get to a place of total surrender, where like you really believe everything Jesus has for you is better than everything you have without Him. And in John chapter one, we meet. We meet we meet Jesus through the disciple John, the eternal Word of God, who became a man and came down in tabernacle. He actually the presence of God living among among men. Then we meet his cousin, John the Baptist, who he's who's baptizing people. And then we meet his disciples, who he began to call. And John chapter one, is just kind of a brief overview: of Andrew and Philip and Nathaniel and you know James and John. I mean, you just read some some kind of random names in there. Peter, Simon Peter's called. Um, the reason John doesn't give a lot of detail is because Matthew, Mark, and Luke did. And John, who was a friend of Jesus, had probably read the gospel narratives of Matthew, Mark, Luke, um, because they were written a generation before his. Some think maybe 50 years before John wrote his, and he thought they told all about how Jesus' disciples became Jesus' disciples. So I, I just want to mention this is the crew that was hanging out in Cana. But what we read from Matthew, Mark, and Luke is that Jesus asked his disciples, who he called, as we read their stories, he asked them to leave their jobs and their families to come with him. He didn't say, will you believe in me and begin studying scripture? He didn't say, will you invite me into your heart so one day we can be in heaven together? Um, He didn't say, will you raise your hand to get a t-shirt? Like, he asked them to surrender everything. Everything. To follow him and they did you say well yeah but they were just out fishing i'd give up fishing for jesus they were not just out fishing that was their job that was their industry that's how they provided for their families and i love the way um that this new show about jesus helped me what's the name the chosen of, yeah the chosen i love how it portrays the families of the disciples giving up their job saying go if he's the messiah he's better than your paycheck if he's the messiah he's better than you providing for his family, like he will figure it out. If he's really the Messiah, he's going to figure it out. So go. And all these disciples had already given up. Matthew had quit his job as a tax collector. Peter and James and uh, John and Andrew had qu- I mean, had quit their jobs as fishermen. So they had surrendered everything. So when Jesus says, "Get some water," it was like, "What? Like whatever you say." We've already done the hard things. We've already surrendered. Step one. So the small parts of following Jesus, once you've surrendered everything, everything else is really a small step of following Jesus. So John chapter 1 is this massive step of surrender that sets the stage for a very simple obedience in small steps of service, serving other people that help expose the glory of Jesus
1: to the world. Thanks for helping set that up. I know people like to get a little commentary as they uh, try to understand God's Word better. For our small groups meeting this week, uh, they'll be discussing ways to make room for Jesus in their everyday lives. Now, obviously the intent's not just to make room, but, uh, besides getting a, a tattoo that, that says Jesus on yeah. their faces that you alluded to in the message, what, what are some practical ideas for making room for Jesus in their everyday lives?
0: Well, yeah. So that line for people who didn't hear the message, I, you know, I said, one of the challenges I'm going to give you is I want you to figure out in your own life, how you're going to make room for Jesus. On a, on an everyday, daily basis, I want to know how you're going to invite Jesus to everything you do, including the weddings you go to, right? We think of Jesus calling us up to invite us to serve, to go to hospitals, to go on a mission trip, to come to church, to go to a Bible study, to go to a men's event or women's event. Like We often think of Jesus calling us up to say, hey, let's go do something spiritual. We don't often think of receiving a text from Jesus saying, hey, I want to hit a wedding this week. Like, Like you just want to do normal stuff? Jesus says, yeah, like I want to do, I want to do the normal stuff with you. Like I just, I want to do whatever you do. I want to, I want to hang out. I want to be in your life. So I said, I want our small groups this week to talk about some ways they could challenge each other to make Jesus a part of their everyday life. And I said, if you don't have time to go to a small group and you don't want to think of any creative ideas on your own, just get a tattoo that says Jesus On your forehead um so that's that's where that comment came from for those of you thinking why like help me understand why ryan said i should get a tattoo of jesus on my forehead what i'm trying to do is try to help you figure out what what can you do to think about jesus more throughout the day if you have a mirror a tattoo of jesus on your forehead would would work but but what else from a band on your wrist to a screensaver my screensaver on my computer is a picture of the tomb in israel uh danielle's is a picture of the sea of galilee in israel to worship music that's maybe constantly playing in the background. When I was a student pastor, one thing that I really challenged students to do, I said, if you want to stand out, um, I challenge you to carry a Bible with you, a paper Bible, not the electronic one on your phone, carry a Bible with you. And if you are able, without being distracting, to have a book on your desk, always have your Bible, be your free time reading, always have a Bible on your desk for our athletes, always have a Bible in your locker room. Um, it will... One, it's going to help, it's going to stir a lot of conversation. A lot of people are going to ask you, why do you always have a Bible around? And that conversation and just it being there is going to remind you who's, not who you are, but whose you are. And it's going to, and it's going to help you on a daily basis just be more aware that Jesus is with you. So, you know, for our businessmen and women, you know, I, I think probably having a, a Bible on your desk, if you can, like if your company policy allows, just to have a Bible around um, will remind you whose you are. Uh, podcast, Monday morning prayer, 21 days of prayer. What can you do to remember at all times, at all occasions, um, hey, Jesus is here too, and to think when I'm watching my kid play football on Friday, um, to treat it as an invitation from Jesus, hey, you want to go hit up a football game together? Um, if he was sitting by you in the stands, it would probably be a different experience than if he wasn't. And if you're a Christian, he is. He always is. Yeah, he always is. Um, so the way I used to approach the game of football as a coach's son and then a manager and a, as a player in high school and then as a player in college and then as a as a kind of a special teams coach helper when my dad was a, a coach at a small college for a while, how I approached the intensity that I approached the game of football with in my old life. And then when my son started playing and I began helping coach football as a pastor in this community is different because I thought before I am a coach, I'm a pastor. Everyone in the stands knows I'm a pastor. Who knows which officials or other team might come to our church. So all the players and all the parents think that I'm like the nice coach. And it's like, no, no, no. I just, I'm, I'm just really aware that I represent Jesus. So if you would have seen the old me, you would have thought, my gosh, he probably, he runs a little, he runs a little too intense. He's tamed it down a every little Every now bit. and then, yes. But it is, um, I've not changed. Jesus has changed me, and mostly he's changed me by the awareness that he's there, and I represent him. And when I think of myself on the sidelines, coaching football, I don't think that Coach Burke, our head coach, has invited me. I think of Jesus saying, hey, you want to hit up a football game? And me thinking I probably ought to behave like he's here because he is. Um, so I think those just figuring out ways to make yourself aware that Jesus is there. Um, not just at the ministry stuff, but at the life stuff will, will begin to change you in ways that others can see. I really think that. Yeah. And we want them to see authentic, not just here's the persona
1: I want to give, give you to think of me in a good light. I want you to see authentic attitudes and authentic personality so people are drawn to
0: that not not some fake facade that people can see through so right well i think it's important i i want people to think well of jesus i really don't care what they think of me but i want them to think well of jesus i don't want anything that i do to make them think less of jesus i want them to think well of jesus so that that does create transformation we talked about that in this series is be transformed so that mindset will create transformation people are basing their judgments of jesus on my life i don't want them to think badly of jesus those that thought process creates transformation in us and then it creates inspiration people begin to see jesus in the world yep
1: there there was a, a sub point that falls under um a point you had practice number two where practice number two was serve jesus in the small things and under surrender that subpoint you said my calling determines my conduct because my calling supersedes my circumstances why 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 is this essential in the christian life for all of us
0: so that specifically w- was in reference to an illustration about somebody asking me whether or not i was going to wear a mask to church when that mask mandate came out in july and i and i and I talk to this person through the lens of Galatians 2:20 which I often do it's it's one of it's one of my life verses in in ministry anytime someone ask me my opinion on something like like Christian Newsom's opinion I will tell them I don't have an opinion because Christian Newsom died Christian Newsom was crucified with Christ and he no longer lives the the life that is now lived in the body of Christian Newsom that's the life of Jesus And Jesus has called me and gifted me, and I believe is going to hold me accountable for ministering to the people of Journey Church International on Sunday morning. That's, you know, you talk about being transformed, you talk about discovering your purpose, you talk about making a difference, like, that's what I think God created me to do. So my calling says, if these are the circumstances I can do that under, and they don't offend my walk with Jesus, or um, they, they... they don't make me act in any way that's unbiblical. Um, my calling supersedes my circumstances really like, I don't, I don't have a choice. I don't, I don't get to have an opinion on that because my calling says, on well, Sundays I get up and I, and I exercise my gifts in the kingdom of God for the people of God, for the glory of God. And I guess this is now, I guess this is, I guess this is the way that I do it in that season. Um, and I and I believe that with all my heart. Every time somebody says, "Well, what do you think about this?" I said, "Well, I don't think." Um, I mean, I have an opinion, but my opinion doesn't matter because Christian Newsom was crucified, and he no longer lives the life that's now lived inside the body that you know as Christian Newsom is the life of Jesus, the Son of God. And I, you know, let me, he's got a bigger opinion on life than than those little matters. And, and we talked very specifically about have you really died to yourself? So we talked about walking into a stadium. You know, and how they ask you to, you know, to empty your pockets of everything before you walk through the, you know, the the little scanner to see what's on you, and you know, walking in, and you know, you take out your keys because they're metal, but then you forgot to take out your wallet, so you have to go back through and take off your wallet, and then you've got to, forgot to take off your hat, so you got to take off your hat, and then they make you take off your sunglasses, and by the time you walk through, it's just you, and they're holding all your stuff, and they decide whether you get it back on the other side of the scanner. Jesus said, "Enter through the narrow gate." Because wide is the gate, broad is the road that leads to destruction. Lots of people are on that one, but the the gate that leads to life is very very narrow. So you got to set everything—everything everything that you think defines you—you um, got to set in a little basket with your keys, right? We we talked about your enneagram, your sexuality, your politics, um, your family history, like all those things that you are passionate about. When you enter through that narrow gate, you put all those in the basket. Jesus is the security guard handing it. And then once you get back through the narrow gate, he'll give you back what you need in life to serve him and to follow him and to love him. But it is a a total surrender of of all those things. You die to yourself. You have your funeral. That's what baptism represents. You have a funeral, the old you, and everything associated with the old you— is put in the casket, and then anything that Jesus wants to revive, our shape and our anagram, yes, but after it's redeemed. Our sexuality, yes, but after it's redeemed. Our passion for the way the world should be, yes, but after it's redeemed. He doesn't throw very much of it away. He just redeems it and says, now its purpose will be to follow me and glorify me in this way. And there's too many people that still see Jesus as mall Santa, Mall Santa, Jesus said, come up, sit on my lap. What do you need me to do for you? That's not Jesus. That's not salvation. That's not Christianity. That is something that American Christianity has kind of made up and perfected. But this mall Santa Jesus, it, it doesn't cut it. And it certainly ain't going to cut it in John chapter two because mall Santa Jesus is not the Jesus that you do whatever he says. And Mary, his mom told the disciples, do whatever He says there's a difference between that kind of master and savior and mall Santa Jesus. And what we want to follow is master and savior Jesus, because he's the one who helps you know God. He's the one who transforms you. He's the one who helps you discover and redeem your purpose. He's the one who helps you make a difference. Mall Santa, he makes you think you're going to heaven. Might even make you feel good about your past. I'm not sure the rest of it comes with him.
1: I think we need to be willing to be pruned. I think part of no what part of what you're talking about is that pruning that the Lord does. If you're going as John 15 says, if you're going to bear much fruit, mm-hmm. there's some pruning that mm-hmm. has to happen. He's going to have to get some things out of your life and you will bear more fruit for him, which is which is uh, our calling. We are to bear fruit for him and and help reach people for Christ. Right. You discuss the daily disciplines that are necessary in a person's life to keep God in focus. Uh, your word for the year, we come up with a, a word every year, um, yours is discipline. Uh, how how has that word been an important part of your year and in years past?
0: Well, I think, so I think spiritually, the the Lord has given me, tr- you know, tremendous routine. Um, he's given me a tremendous spiritual diet that has fed my soul, and I said on Sunday— Sadly, everyone thinks spiritual maturity is where they are, and everyone thinks discipleship is how they got there. That's not the way Like, it's not the way it works. Spiritual maturity is Jesus, and how you get there is kind of you know, kind of different for every everyone. Um, like Abraham never had his quiet time <laughs> because there was no scripture. So, like, you can't say if you don't read your Bible every day you don't love God. And it's like, well, Abraham did, and, and like Noah did, and I think Adam did, and the Bible says Seth did. So, like. We, we got to get beyond the way I do it is discipleship and who I am is what, is what you need to be. Um, but God has given me a very good rhythm for what feeds my soul. He's given me extreme discipline in that. In the other areas of my life, not so much. And what I realize is when I'm, not, when I'm not disciplined in my diet, when I'm not disciplined in working out, when I'm not disciplined in my date night, when I'm not disciplined as a dad, I can go through, I can go through the routine, the spiritual routine of my discipleship discipline, but it carries less punch. And I felt what, what God said to me coming into 2020 is, um, you got to get the other areas of your life in order because you're losing some of the spiritual nutrition. I mean, like you've got this one area that's really disciplined, like good for you. Um, but like, man, you got to, you got to lose weight and you got to get in shape and you got to have better energy and, you know you got to you got to get back to date nights with your wife and you got to when when you're around your kids you, you can't always be focused on other things and agitated about the little things and i just felt like god wanted me to be super more than intentional disciplined like make a decision stick with it do some things um to to try to to try to get where he wanted me to be and i mean this year in in particular um I, you know i think it's been a huge part of my life getting into getting into my forties, just feeling good, getting out of bed, um, eating better, sleeping better, um, trying to get on the treadmill, you know, a couple days a week and, and work out. Like I, I want to minister if the Lord wants me too strong into my sixties. Um, but I gotta have, I gotta have a lot of discipline in my life to do that. And at this point in my life, um, it, it is a discipline to say no more than it's a discipline to say yes, um. I don't I don't have very many lazy parts of my life. I have too many undisciplined parts of my life, which means it's not that I don't want to sleep. It's not that I don't want to eat healthy. It's not that I don't want to work out. It's not that I don't want to, you know, spend time with my wife because I'm a sloth. What I do is I say yes to so many things that I'm undisciplined in the things that are most important. And Jesus says, I want you to treat your wife with the discipline you treat your quiet time. Once you treat your kids with the discipline, you treat your quiet time. Once you treat your physical health with the discipline, you treat your quiet time. Because those are the things um, you are accountable for and only you are accountable for. Um, it, Christian, I promise you, there's not one person who has ever been to Journey or will go to Journey that when they get to heaven, I'm going to ask why, I, I'm going to hold them accountable for why you weren't in shape physically. Like, that's none of their problems. But I am going to ask you that. Because um, that's what you that's what you need to to live your life. So I think for me, it was learning to get disciplined in everything else in life so that the the discipline that I do have in my personal quiet time and in my time with God carried carried more punch and more purpose. It's a good challenge. I've been receiving some, you know, coaching
1: and we've yeah. been working on some similar things. It's been uh, I want to do better in all those areas as well.
0: Yeah, and so th- we're we're recording this podcast on what is it? Wednesday, September, is it 22nd? 23. 23? 23, Wednesday, September 23rd. It's the fifth day of the Yamim Nurim, the um, you know, the Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur, those those days of reflection. And on day 5 of reflection that I gave our church during 21 days of prayer today is you're reflecting on your spiritual purpose so i'm going back on the last year reflecting on my spiritual purpose and i mean wrote in my journal as i reflected today um, because i'm learning to say yes to the primary purposes of my life and i'm feeling freedom and permission to say no to those things that don't allow me to flourish in those i really think my purpose even though it's narrower is becoming greater um you know, I, I have people every week, it seems like after church, that were like, say, man, you got so much energy, you got so much passion. Like, what has happened to you? A, a lot of what has happened to me is pruning. I just, the things that were taking energy away from the primary limbs that God has called me to produce and the primary fruit that God has called me to produce were just sucking a lot of life energy. And when I, when I began to put energy into my walk with God, my marriage, my family, my kids, my personal health, I've got all this extra, Ministry to preach and teach and lead and cast vision um, and and move move through this season so it's, I mean it's it's exactly what you just said just reflecting learning, changing, and hopefully getting better
1: yeah and if you're uh, on the podcast, I hope you'll kind of hit pause and and do that same exercise uh, maybe at least begin to think about it put it in your calendar to, to do um, if you're really going to make some changes you have to think through it you have to decide that some things need to change, or, or you'll continue to do the same things for another year to five years. Uh, step four of growth track uh, is join the team, uh, and, and it's, it's join the team so that people can make a, a difference, and the title of this message is Make a Difference. No doubt we're to, we're to serve others as Jesus did, but our reason to make a difference is specific, and you address it in the final point of your message. Can you can you help people really understand who is to be seen as we make a difference in our world, in our communities, and in our families?
0: Yeah. So what we said in this message, just I mean, to, to put it in like a simple phrase, when when we serve others well, they see Jesus. So we look at this John chapter two, this list of who was served. The disciples had really they didn't know at the time they were serving Jesus. They thought they were helping Jesus serve others. Um, they they ran out of wine. His mom said, you got to help. Jesus said, get some water. And then he said, take the water to the king. Like the whole time they thought they were helping Jesus and their mom serve um, the banquet master, serve the bride and her family, serve the groom and his family, um, serve Jesus' mom who was like, hey, you got to help, serve the guest, like all of their actions— None of them were doing anything for Jesus. They were all doing something from Jesus, right? They didn't, we don't read where they ever gave him a drink anything. They weren't serving for him. They were serving from him. They were just taking directions from him that seemed very mundane, very small. But it said after they got done serving all of these people who was seen was Jesus and they saw his glory, which that, you know, that word means weight. That word means matter. That word means heaviness, they they saw the power and the extreme weight that he was. They saw how much he mattered. And it says they began to put their faith in him. They began to believe in him. Um, so you look at being a greeter. You look at being an usher. You look at serving in the parking ministry. You look at setting up flags. You're like, I'm not really served, Like, I don't know that Jesus needs me to do this for him. Of course he doesn't need you to do it for him. Jesus doesn't need a flag any more than he needs a drink. But if you will do it from him and you'll just do those little things faithfully, eventually people look right past the flag. They look right past the water. They look right past the servant and they see the savior behind it. And they begin to understand who he is in the world and in their life. And when they believe in him, man, that, that is how you make a difference. So it is getting water and it is serving water and it is, cleaning the dishes. And it is setting up the flags. And we don't do any of it for Jesus. He didn't He didn't eat any of it. We don't read anyone took him a drink. We don't even know if he was thirsty. But because they did it from Jesus, serve others on behalf of Jesus. Eventually, they see right through you. They see him. They realize how much he matters. They begin to believe in him. That is how followers of Jesus make a difference. We ultimately are serving Jesus when we serve others from Jesus.
1: This whole series has been, uh, been designed for that very reason, right? Growth track um, is not to bring ultimate fulfillment to people, but fulfillment does come when you're serving Jesus. When, when you greet, when you welcome a new person, and you get to see the joy of that person connecting, and then months later giving their life to Christ, months later getting baptized. Um, it, it, it is all the purpose of growth track. And so, as we've mentioned before, there's four steps. Um, we're looking forward to continuing in October during service, during either the 9.30 or the 11. If you are interested in, in coming to the growth track, we would love to have you. Uh, step one, uh, step four is, is Sunday after church. Step one will be um, the first Sunday of the month in October. But you can text Journey Growth. Uh, that's Journey Growth to 474747. You get the uh, registration form and you can fill it out really quickly. We'd love to have you. Uh, Pastor Christian, thanks for joining us again on the podcast. Such a great message. Uh, always great to learn from you. Thank you for listening today. Um, you can tune in on Sunday, either in person at one of our live services, 8 o'clock, 9.30 or 11, or we are always online. You can catch us uh, on Facebook Live, JCI journey. takethejourney.cc we would love to hear how god is working in your life um, and you can email us if you've got something to share or a question to ask you can do that at activate at takethejourney.cc otherwise we look forward to catching you next time on the activate podcast where we challenge you to build a faith that is active
0: thank you for joining us for this episode of activate we would love for you to join us in person for one of our weekly worship experiences You can find out more information about JCI on our website at takethejourney.cc. Help us get the word out about this resource. You can do so by subscribing, reviewing, and sharing this episode on your favorite social media platform. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time on the Activate Podcast.